Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M I R O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome to Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. He is Ralph Sampson. I am Mac McDonald. Great to have you. And as uh, basketball winds down, at least from a college standpoint, and now we look forward to, well, the rest of the NBA season. But, Ralph, I got to ask, how did you feel about Baylor? That, that was a pretty good basketball team, right? Well, I know when, when UCLA played Gonzaga, and they, they had a great game plan, right? It was a, that was an amazing game, right? It was. I mean, it, it was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. And I thought Baylor had more talent, obviously, than UCLA, but I didn't know it was that deep. So I think the Baylor coach took some stuff from UCLA's game plan, applied it here, but he put it on overcharge, right? Right. Because they jumped out, they jumped out the gate like wildfires. Yeah. And I don't think Gonzaga seen the talent of Baylor all season long. Right. And so they got shell shocked and they could not recover because they'd never been down in games like that. You, you guys had the streak, you know, before Notre Dame, uh, you know, won that game in Chicago. Do players feel pressures of streaks and looking at that because there's so much talk about it, especially now there's so much talk about it? Well, I mean, you know, NCAA tournament, you know, uh, there's definitely pressure because you got to win five straight games mm -hmm. and you get to the finals. There's got to be pressure somewhere, but Gonzaga has never been down in games at all, you know, and I don't know if they played the level of competition that Baylor may have played or whatever it may be. And then it gets a, it's a strange year. So when we were up and we were playing Notre Dame and Lander would hit that shot, I mean, we had no pressure going into the game. We knew we were pretty good and we had played the tougher competition in ACC. So mm -hmm. we've been, we were seasoned and we were tested throughout the year, but, but what it does to you, especially when you lose during the regular season, you regroup the next time out and then the next opponent you want to kill. You want to get back on that winning side. So I don't know who we play next, but I'm sure we won. But you want to do that. So Gonzaga doesn't have the opportunity. They got to go and, you know, lick their wounds all summer long, say we had a chance, we weren't prepared. And I think there's a lot of lessons that Gonzaga will learn in that, in that scenario, even if they go on to the NBA or on to life. They'll learn a lot of lessons out of that. Not to bring up a bad memory, but actually – after the uh, Sunday loss, we were in Winston-Salem and lost to Wake Forest on a Wednesday night down in Winston. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. There, there you, you go. go, right? A little shell shock. We have a, a, a really interesting show today because Ralph and I had talked since October that, all right, center court, we're going to try to do as much as we can not to talk all about Virginia. But Ralph had this idea, and I just thought it was such a great idea because he knows all these guys that are going to be on the show today, which they'll get their introduction in a minute. We wanted to dive into the culture of UVA basketball in three different eras and how it transformed into how good it is today. And so we're actually going to take you from 19, 
Well, basically, 1978, when Jeff Jones started as a point guard and is, is now an, uh, just a great coach, and go through Ricky Stokes and Jimmy Miller to the Brian Stith era to Jason Williford in the 90s and now to the Tony Bennett era with, uh, with Jason Williford as an assistant coach. This is going to be a very interesting discussion and culture among these guys, but to really understand where Virginia basketball was and then how it transformed. I mean, how it just it, it morphed into what it is today. Yeah, I mean, the only one missing in this crew is maybe Wally Walker, but we'll get him one of these days as well. Right. Because they started in 1976 with Coach Allen, but I always tell people, Coach Allen laid the foundation for Virginia basketball back in that day. And, mm -hmm. and it, it evolved at the national dominant uh, uh, school in, in basketball and across the board. Then it evolved over the years with players, coaches, and staff. And then Tony Bennett's been able to take it unlike any other coach pretty much to a whole different level, uh, which is transitioning from uh, that. So this will be fun. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to hear the stories. And I can't wait till you get these clowns, you know, <laughs> on here somehow. In one room, right? In one room and unleash the stories. And we might, we might, Mac, we might have to do this in, even in a form situation where they have a couple of drinks and a beer we do in the back room and we can videotape that because these dudes here are going to be off the chart. I remember all the talk about Jim Hobgood and Barry Park Hill in the 71-72 team and how good, they, you know, those two. Oh, yeah, we'll get Barry. So, we'll get the whole crew. So, we'll that's right. Crew. But anyway, it's the culture of Virginia basketball in three different eras. And we come back with the starting lineup as Ralph Sampson's head coach of this crew. We'll be right back <laughs> on Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. Stay with us. The mission for the Sampson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities, your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. If I could put together a legendary starting five from the University of Virginia, it would be the names of the guys that built the culture of Virginia basketball. Led by our host, Ralph Sampson, today we have former Cavalier guard Ricky Stokes, Associate Commissioner of the MAC. He played in 134 games, a school record. The 1984 NC2A East Regional Most Valuable Player, Jimmy Miller, who logged 132 games for the Cavs, and like Ricky, appeared in a Final Four in 1984. Brian Stith, considered one of the best ever in the ACC, who as a coach won three state championships at Brunswick Virginia High School, is now an assistant coach at Old Dominion. Jason Williford, who played in the 90s and was part of the NIT title team in 92. He appeared in three consecutive NC2A tournaments and now is associate head coach at UVA with Tony Bennett. And Jeff Jones, one of the best point guards to ever play at UVA in the league. As a four-year starter, he totaled 598 assists and his UVA teams went 102 and 28. Like valuable gems, this Fab Four shines when talking about the culture of Virginia basketball. With Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald. This is Center Court. Mac, we got a starting five here. I don't know who can come off the bench, but one of y'all got to come off the bench. I don't Ralph, know I think that's you. No, I think that's you coming off the bench. I, I, I can come off the bench, but we, we, you know, we got the point guard here, JJ, the, the coach, and uh, Brian and, and, and Jay Will, the coach as well, but. I'll get right into it because you I don't know if you remember. I come in as a freshman and you were there a couple years before me. But how did we recruit Ricky and Othell? I tell him Mac a story earlier. And Ricky, I don't know if you noticed or not, but we saw Othell at a, at the state championship game. I don't know if you remember that. Tell me tell me your remembrance of that, because I remember that Othell we saw and Coach Allen asked us, can this kid play? We said, Yeah, we he's pretty damn good. Yeah, we hey, we were we were uh, sitting in University Hall over there, right right next. I can remember it like it was yesterday, right next to the entrance that went back to the locker room, and a bunch of us were sitting there, and Othell was killing it, 
And, and we, you know, we were just talking amongst ourselves, but, you know, Coach Holland wanted to know, and I think it was unanimous. It was like, heck yeah, this, this guy's good. He, he put on a show, yeah. you know, what, what, what he did, uh, you know, during, during that tournament. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, he ended up obviously being every bit that good, if, if, if not better. Um, you know, and you, you, you mentioned Ricky. Shoot, I think that was assumed from day one. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what the recruiting pitch was, but uh, you know, when when I mean, Bob, Bobby was was maybe one of Coach Allen's all-time favorites, maybe the uh, all-time favorite. So I, I think there was never any question, certainly in my mind, that Rick, you know, Ricky was going to, you know, come and, and and be a part of the team. Jeff, how did you get to UVA? Could you have gone to Kentucky? Did you have Big Ten looking at you? Or what uh, What got you to Charlottesville? Um, you know, my, my recruitment was a little bit strange because, you know, I, I, I wasn't really known that, that much nationally uh, prior to my senior year. Uh, you know, I wasn't being recruited at a really high level at that point. Uh, we, we had a very, very good team. We were 35-0 and and lost our last game. But uh, my father got sick. Uh, that fall and basically spent that fall and uh, the entire winter in different hospitals. Uh, Coach Schmidt, uh, we, we beat, uh, you know, Coach Schmidt's old team, Lamp and Raker and Gates' old team. Uh, and, and the high school coach there recommended me to, uh, to Coach Schmidt. So Virginia started recruiting me. After Virginia started recruiting me, uh, North Carolina started recruiting me, uh, which was Interesting because I, I I never got as much as a a single letter from the University of Kentucky, so uh, you know uh, I would have and, never and guessed of, that. Speaking of speaking of Kentucky, I can still remember I, I lived on uh, 2300 Venetian Way uh, in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, Ralph Sampson was a senior, and obviously he, he was making his decision between Virginia. And in uh, and, and UK, and I remember I got word, and you, you got to remember back then, there was no ESPN or anything like that back then. No so media. I got word that Ralph had chosen Virginia, and I can remember just screaming and, and then trying to find as many of my friends that were UK fans that I could talk trash <laughs> to. And, there, and there's, a there's a bunch of UK fans there. So, so in that era with Jeff, and of course, uh, a great run that we just said in the intro uh, a minute ago. So, Ricky, how did you get involved in this picture then with this team? And I know Jimmy Miller is going to be on your heels, but how did, how did you get involved? Were you, was it because of Bobby, as, as Jeff just said? Or how did you get involved in, with the Virginia program? You know, Mac, I think uh, I thought, always thought I was going down to the University of Richmond. I had really gone to a lot of their camps uh, uh, prior to the summers, prior to my senior year. And I often tell you, I think they thought they had an extra scholarship. So I kind of just got a scholarship. And to the point is Othell, and I don't think he gives as much credit in uh, and Ralph and JJ alluded to, Coach Holland was always, as these guys were, uh, very honest in his recruitment. And when Othell and I, he recruited both of us, mm -hmm. he said, one of you would play a lot and one of you wouldn't. And the first time we had an open gym, I took one look at Othell. I said, damn, he's going to play a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I wasn't. <laughs> so that's how I ended up. And uh, what a great team. I mean, geez. My freshman team, and no disrespect to any of the other team, that was by far uh, the most talented. The 81 team was really stacked uh, yeah. as far as talented. Uh, yeah, and, coming uh, off the NIT championship, 24 in a row. Yeah, it was pretty big time. And I asked Ralph just a minute ago uh, before we started to record, I asked Ralph, I said, did you get involved in, in recruiting? And, and uh, he said, no, Terry wanted me to do media. So he said, I didn't do you know, hardly any recruiting. All right. So Jimmy, you followed. Okay. I'm going to go through the transition here and get to Brian and get to Jason Williford. So Jimmy, you followed in, in 81. How did, so how did you land in Charlottesville? What was the sealer? Well, you've, you've talked to a couple of the guys uh, that, that ultimately, sealed the deal for me you know I grew up in a small little town in West Virginia and we had ACC basketball right the game of the week and so I grew up watching what was then definitely the best basketball in the country and so I tried to imagine gosh what would it be like to ever have the opportunity to play in the ACC and I saw Carolina week in and week out etc and um, when it came down to the kind of the recruiting part of it uh, 
and, and, and by the way, let me back up for a second, because you were talking about Othell. There's a small little town in West Virginia called Athens, West Virginia, where this little school, Concord College, and they had a team camp there. And there were four teams there. My high school team, Princeton, was there. And there was this team, Woodbridge, Virginia. So, and they, and, and Othell was one of the guards on that team. And we, we played in that team camp and we we're like, these guys are really good. That card is really special, you know, and, and. And so it turns out he went to he went to Virginia, and then and then I, through the recruiting process for me, it came down to Duke and 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 Virginia. Wake Forest was the other ACC school that I strongly considered. But when I had a chance to visit, you, you know, the same you hear a lot of kids say this. You know, the academics, all that was great. You know, when I was being recruited, I remember watching Virginia lose that game at Notre Dame in high school. You know, broke their twenty however many game winning streak, right? Number one in the country. I get a chance to come and visit and I get the chance to, to go out with JJ and I get a chance to meet Ralph, <laughs> you know, we, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, I remember it too. And we're better off. Right. What stays on that visit. I know I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go into the particulars of the visit, but. Uh, oh, I am. Wait, I am. <laughs> How much time do we have? Needless to say, I chose Virginia. I came back that weekend. And I'm like, man, I'm going there. Going there. That's awesome. Good <laughs> stuff. So, Bryant, uh, I'm going to get to everybody in this first second. So, so Bryant, were you, were you aware of the legacy that Ralph had left and what was going on in Charlottesville? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, uh, every weekend, you know, that's that's all me and my friends did was just – just watched ACC basketball. You know, we were in the heart of ACC country, and you know, it was a it was a dream of mine to be able to play in the ACC. And and you know, um, you know, I tell the story all the time that you know, Coach Jones and Coach Holland started recruiting me through camps. And uh, when I was thirteen, I was invited to uh, participate in their uh, in their team camp when they bought a collection of players together. And we all played on the same team and having the opportunity to get on campus early really just uh grounds be grounds, grounds be get on grounds. Grounds, <laughs> <laughs> you know, coach freshman, you know. So um, you know, it it was it was a special, it was a special um, time for me. And my next four years was great. I'm just glad that. Uh, Coach Jones and Coach Holland didn't see my game, uh, state championship game at U-Haul, because I shot an air ball you know, <laughs> with the state championship. I'm glad they still uh, kept that off, off scholarship off on the table for me. Uh, hey, babe, we saw it. <laughs> yeah, they, we saw, they it. saw it on film. So uh, Jeff Jones was such a, a big part of Virginia for, you know, 20 years or so, player, assistant coach, head coach, and just had such a legacy uh, on the grounds. So Jason, what was your recruitment like? And, uh, and what did you think of the coach sitting next to you in the zoom chat? What did you think of uh, coach Jones? <laughs> JJ's going to laugh, but my recruitment was probably the easiest recruitment he's ever had. I'm, I'm the least heralded of this entire bunch on here. And I wasn't quite sure I was good enough, but I think those guys, they did a good job. Uh, JJ in particular, he was recruiting me from day one, but I ultimately found out why he wanted Corey and, and Junior and we all play AAU together. So if I can get Jay, I'll get those guys. And, and so he got me done early between my high school coach and my dad. It was, it was a layup. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy the recruiting process. It was, you know, I, I let my mom do all the talking and, and JJ must've got wind of that. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get him done, and then we're going to use him to get Corey and Junior. And that, was, <laughs> that was how it, that's how it happened. <laughs> no, Jay, Jay's not giving himself nearly as, as much credit. He was a very good high school player. He was just forced to play center at, at John Marshall when, when he was in high school. But he, he is right. You know, I, I recruited before Jay. I mean, Jay was probably a, a freshman or sophomore. And, and, you know, I'd already – that same kind of camp that Bryant's talking about – Jay was there and Jay's dad was there too as a camp coach. And I can remember, uh, you know, having adult beverages with Jay's dad every, every night. That thing was done. I mean, he, Jay, Jay, Jay didn't know it, but that thing was done early. Hey, hey Mike, Mike, is that an NCAA violation? I don't know. Back then it may not the limitations. No, what goes on in recruiting <laughs> today? 
A 57-53 lead for Virginia. Five and a half minutes to go. Carlisle Trapp stops his dribble. The hook pass, Robinson. Robinson, back door. Wilson dumps it. Ralph bobbles it. Ralph in a crowd, lays it up, can't get it. Gets his own rebound. Up again, blocked by Ewing. Ralph has the ball again, goes up, blocked by Ewing. And the foul will be on Patrick Ewing as he went in against Sampson and Ralph comes away, swinging his arm. Oh, my. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back in the Winner's Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson, and it is the culture of Virginia basketball. Jimmy Miller is here, Brian Stith, Ricky Stokes, Jason Williford, and Jeff Jones. Yeah, good. So now we got the first segment out the way. Everybody's been very politically correct. So there are stories that people don't know. And I'm, I mean, Ricky, we got the imp story down the hill. So there are stories that people don't know inside of this group, and some we won't tell, like Jeff said earlier, and so we can't. So Virginia is a special place to all, and I think we feel that as well. But come on, that's that's Jimmy. I know you got some stories, Ricky. I know you got some as well, and Wilford, you got some current stories. So we're gonna start with you. Get get with something that we don't know, non basketball. Because we know, I mean, I didn't know. See, I didn't know you play center. So I wish I had, I wish I'd play center against you. You got wore out. <laughs> well, yeah, Jason, give us a Jeff. Give us your favorite Jeff Jones story. My my favorite Jeff Jones story. Yeah. He's heard this numerous times. <laughs> it's when he broke his wrist at Maryland. And, and we're at Maryland, and we and I tell you, we're getting our butts kicked on the glass. And we we go into halftime, he's chewing us out. We we come back out, nothing changes. They, they beat us on the board. Now it's a good Maryland team. Joe Smith, Keith Booth, and they beat us. And and we we probably should have beaten them. We had the pieces but we didn't come to play. And JJ just turns and he hits this, this chalkboard. The chalkboard is mounted to just concrete a wall. <laughs> and he hits it and, and he's, I can't tell you exactly what was being said to us. At the end of the game, we appreciate that. But he, he hits this board and his face, I felt his pain in his face and he doesn't say anything, he just, he keeps going. He's like, and you guys just bring it in and we're getting out of here. Shower and we're out. Hands in, family on three, together on three, one, two, three, together. He immediately walks out in the hall and he goes to Ethan. He's, Ethan, damn it, I think I broke it. <laughs> and, and, and that thing swole up. And you wore that cast. I think you wore that cast remainder of the year. We end up going pretty far that year. I think we had a 12-game winning streak after after that. We ended up uh, – we, we, we lost one game in the ACC tournament, and we lost to Arkansas. Dr. McHugh, everybody's favorite, he, he wouldn't – he was so superstitious. I was ready to get that cast off. He kept me in the cast. Day after we lost to Arkansas, he's like, yeah, you can, you can cut it off. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorites, yeah. Uh, okay, so Ricky, what's your favorite Jeff Jones story? And then we'll let Jeff counter, okay? Oh, no, wow. I don't know if it's a favorite story, but I tell people often that the biggest trash talker on our basketball team was Jeff Jones, which I think people are amazed Jeff would talk more. The 81 team, I've never seen. We had guys that were six. The, all the guards were six, five and above. And it was one-on-one -on -one in the post. I mean, it was like mano-mano. And I really give Jeff a lot of credit because he never let us. He, he made us get better. And I don't know if I've told Jeff that enough, but we got better quickly. Uh, and that's a lot because of Jeff. But uh, that was a very business-like team. Uh, it was, I mean, we would practice sometimes only an hour, hour 15 practice would be going so well, they would blow a whistle, but, uh, that group taught Othell and I what the meaning of work and, and putting in the work both on and off the court. So, uh, Jeff, what do you remember about the Blitz brothers then and coaching? Were you, did you have to coach those guys? Uh, you know, there was, there was some of that. Um, look, when, when Ricky and Othell came and Ricky said, you know, coach Holland told him one guy would play and one guy wouldn't. It became apparent very, very early that both of those guys could play, and they were a huge addition to that team because the year before, we were good. We didn't have the, the, the ability to change the tempo of, of the game. 
people would slow it down uh, with that added element of, of their, you know, just explosive speed and, and quickness that immediately took us from being a very good basketball team to being a great basketball team. And, and both of those guys, you know, Ricky's being humble and all that, they, they had such an impact and it wasn't necessarily statistical or anything, but they could, they could change the game just, just based on their speed. Uh, you know, whether it's getting out in transition and getting the easy baskets that the year before we couldn't get or pressuring the, the, the opponent, you know, and forcing them to play at a faster pace than, than maybe they would have liked. So those, those two guys made a huge impact uh, and, and they did grow up fast and, and they, they had to because of the way that team was, was comprised. Um, and, and, and Ricky talked about our practices. I don't know if you guys remember in the final four. So we're up in Philadelphia and, and now the final four practices are, you know, they shoot around a little bit, they dunk and they play. We went up there, we actually practiced and there were about three or four fights you know, because everybody, I mean, that was an intense team. You know, Raker was trying to elbow uh, uh, Lewis. You know, uh, Ralph and, and Lat were getting into it. You know, who, who, whoever else. Finally, the coaches, you know, came in and was like, hey, 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 let's, 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 let's calm down. You know, but I mean, I'm sure there were people in the stands saying, oh, my goodness, what's going on with this team? But that's just how intense. I, I don't know any other way to put it. Think, think about Think about those personalities, Terry Gates, yeah. Lewis Lattimore, uh, Lee Raker, Lamp, myself, you know, I, that, those, those are, you know, and, and Ralph's always getting beat up on and everything else, you know, so. Yeah, it, Dean it was, Carpenter, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dean's head was like a punching bag. <laughs> so you, you guys remember we were there one practice and we were playing pretty well and Dean was there. I steal the ball from him, take it down the court, Dunking in the back, he pushes me into the chairs. I don't know if y'all remember that or not. So I tried to take his hand yeah. at that point in time. But I tell Coach all the time, I mean, why the hell you recruit Dean Carpenter? But it's okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, Bryant, you you know, you're working with uh, Terry Holland. You're working with Jeff Jones. Have you got a, a favorite uh, a favorite game story from, uh, from your days? I do. Um, Coach Jones, first year, uh, we were actually playing at Notre Dame. We were down early and, um, you know, coach was frustrated. We weren't getting calls and this referee made a horrible, horrendous call. And uh, coach Jones at the TV, the TV camera got a perfect shot. He quite hadn't gotten his, his tactics down yet. Coach Jones on national TV tried to rip his suit jacket off and kind of got stuck. He looked like he was in a straitjacket. <laughs> he finally got it all, and he slams his coat down right in front of assistant coach Tom Perrin. And Tom Perrin had this little flap of hair on his head, and the wind from the coat uh, forced Coach Perrin hair just to flop up and down like a little bird, like a little bird. And TP never <laughs> moved. It was the craziest, funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. We replayed that. We replayed that once we got back to Charlottesville, you know, because that was that was funny. And then you commenced to go score 19 straight points to win that game. You you got to give yourself some kudos, big fella. Man, shit, I didn't want to see Coach Jones get mad. (laughs) (laughs) We had to do something because we knew it was coming the next practice and we didn't win, so. (laughs) All right, before we leave the second segment, so Jimmy coming in in 81, and of course now you get to know Ralph and Ricky and Othell, you get to tell your favorite story about our host, of course, Ralph Sampson, who has this podcast. What's your favorite Ralph story? What was it like to, to be Ralph in college, right? For any of it. I mean, that's the first thing I really think of, you know, I mean, really like it's seven, four. And if social media existed then, like it does today, I mean, he was off the charts, right? I mean, it was just everywhere he went, you know, everybody wanted a piece of him. Um, you know, I don't have a great off the court story. I'm sure Ricky and Othell do. <laughs> uh, uh, Ricky's waving his hand, so I think. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he wants you know, to defer, but go ahead. Is there a game uh, story? Let me just say real fast. You know, I'll let Ricky tell a story, but I would like you know the plays like for so many on the court, 
I think of Ralph in these really big games, right? He played in so many of those big games. I think of, since some of these guys are on this call, uh, certainly the game of the, the century with against Georgetown, you know, Ralph and Patrick and the build up to that. Uh, Ralph was sick. Everybody knows that story. And he stepped up in a, in a huge way on a, on a big stage. I think of Jeff Jones and his alley-oop to Ralph, <laughs> you know, against Ohio State on Super, Super Bowl Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was being recruited. I was at that game sitting underneath the basket thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, look at these. These guys are grown men. How am I going to play in this game? <laughs> trying to imagine myself the next year, right? I think of us playing at Louisville and with the McRae brothers, Scooter and Rodney McRae, and, and all the, the athleticism on that court and the jump ball right out of the gate. You know, and, and Louisville goes down and tries to dunk on the opening play, misses, the ball bounces out the half court, and I'm kind of just sitting there like, oh, my gosh, what is going to happen? <laughs> I'll never forget, we were playing you guys here at University Hall, and you guys jumped out ahead of us, and I think it was like 10 to nothing, and we called the timeout, and we were walking back to the huddle, and, you know, that place was loud and hot, and your crowd was chanting, shut out, shut out, and we're going, that can't happen, right? I mean, is that, that's not, you know, you're like, maybe. <laughs> Welcome back in the Winter Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. So Jason Williford is here, Jimmy Miller, Brian Stith, Ricky Stokes, Jeff Jones. The culture of Virginia basketball, it has meant so much to so many. And of course, now with what Tony Bennett has done. So Ralph, I'm going to let you and Jay Willie kind of debate this. And, uh, and and Jason, I'm going to let you say first, could, could those teams, the Brian Stith teams, the, the Stokes Othell teams with Jimmy Miller, could they have played with your guys today? Maybe that national championship team with uh, Jerome and Guy and company, could they have played with them? Of course, Ralph's teams could have definitely played. They, they probably are better. I mean, I'll be the first to, to admit that. Quite honestly, the team that won it, I don't think was Tony's best team. I don't think it was our, our best team. I mm -hmm. thought the team with Malcolm as a senior and we lost in the Elite Eight to Syracuse that year. I thought that was was our better team now obviously um stuff had to go right kihei clark gets a long rebound <laughs> gets, the, gets the shot um and and you know you create your own luck uh, and that team won it all but yeah rouse teams were were phenomenal it would have been hard to to go against those guys for sure Ralph, could your teams played with them? No, nah, we didn't blow them on the court. <laughs> <laughs> I, all I'm gonna do is turn, turn. I mean, come on. But you turn, you turn Othell and Ricky loose and JJ loose at the guard. I mean, Kihei Clark, come on, Ricky, come on. Tell me, tell me, how, you Kihei Clark, Ricky, would you guard him or what would you do? Othell and I would love to play them. <laughs> <laughs> That's politically correct, you know. So you would love to play. Hey, hey, hey I, I knew this was coming. The, the, the only thing we would have been able to do is maybe post trap rap. Uh, our post trap was pretty good, but I mean, sticks. Those teams. I mean, I, I know the history growing up in the state, mm -hmm. being from Richmond. I mean, I know, I know what those teams were about. And, and they were they were good. Um, not to no, take you, anything, you, not to take anything from our guys that we had. I mean, that was a, that was a good group, but no, it was a great group. So I mean, in, in regards to you, Jay, well, so we got you know Brian Steff at the, at the small forward, J Jimmy Miller at the power forward, me at the center, Ricky at the one, and JJ at the two. Come on, what, what's your what's your what's your five? You can get Malcolm. What's your five that can keep, compete with that? You can pick Malcolm. You can pick anybody. Ooh. I'm going Ty. I'm going Ty Jerome at the point. Who are you gonna guard? <laughs> go ahead. I'll let you go ahead. I'm going. I'm going Ty Jerome at the point. Joe Harris at the two. Ooh. DeAndre Hunter at the mm. three. I'm going. I, I, I'm going Malcolm at the. I'm going Malcolm Dre, and then I'm probably gonna go Mike Scott um, mm. with that group. Wow. There you go. That's, that's, that's only four, right? No, that's five. That's fine. Jay, see the, the, the problem, Jake? I, I, I mean, I'd say that group would have the advantage at three, maybe, well, probably three spots. We, but that's where, that's, that's where Ralph, right? I, and, and you talk about the post-double. Your guy's post-double has never gone up against a guy that's seven foot four. 100%. Right? And I, I think Ralph would be throwing over that post-double. And, there, and, and, you know. There's, yeah. there's no, there's no, I mean, you, you look at, I mean, I could go. Toby, Gill, Jay Huff, 
I mean, you you throw size, but there's no answer for for Ralph. I mean, <laughs> dude's dude's three times player of the year. Ricky, you know you know the deal. You and Jeff know the deal. We would look at each other and go eye to eye. Say, okay, Ricky and Odell, y'all gonna press up. JJ's gonna be there, and y'all just send them on to me defensively. That's why Jay. That's why Jay Huff and Jimmy. You know this. Come on, Jimmy. You, you can chime in because Jimmy, how many block shots do you have in your career? You know. I, I of was. Course he knows. I was just behind you. Exactly. exactly. So, so somewhere in the mix this year, they said Jay Huff and Jay. Jay texted me. We, we he always texts that. I just need forty-five blocks a game to catch you. <laughs> you know, like, ten games to go. I'm like, okay, great. So Ricky, and, Ricky, oh, and, and JJ would just channel him in, and that's how I got all these daggone block shots. Brian, I should know this. Did you ever play against Ralph? No, never. Not even like a pickup game, or you never, you never went up against Ralph at all. No, I never played against Ralph ever. Now, I would have loved to. I remember um, the guys used to come back, you know, in the summer times and play. And I always used to ask, you know, does Ralph come back? Because I was really looking forward to that. Uh, but, you know, we, I, I, I'll pass, never cross. All the coaches here. So those were epic moments, especially JJ. You remember after my freshman year coming back, we stayed in the gym all summer long because we, 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 we knew we could play. We go to NIT, don't get invited to the NCAA. We knew, but we played every day that summer. I remember, you know, us, Rick Carla came in, he, he sat out, but we had a Tom Newell and that whatever. Is it like that today, the camaraderie? Because, you know, we all have a, a, a unique relationship, right? But your guys today, is that camaraderie still exists or the NCAA rules a little bit different in playing together and some of having guys come back? Well, no, I, I certainly our guys or, or my players at, at Virginia, you know, Jay Willie and Junior Burrow and all those guys. Um, guys played when, when, when we were all there. We played all the time. More so now is they do workouts. They don't play, right? I mean, and, and if they do play, the, the pickup isn't nearly as good. I, I, Jay, I don't know about your squad, you know, but um, it's, it's not nearly as, as intense. We, we didn't do all the shooting work. I and mean, we did some, right? But what yeah. we did is we played. We played for three hours, four hours. And then we might come back and go up to the uh, north grounds or something and, and, and play some more. They drill more now. The emphasis is on, you know, individual skill development and, and not on playing five on five. Um, and I, I think that probably shows. I think where, where players today are better is with the individual skills. But I don't know that the playing together, you know, playing as a unit maybe is as strong as it, as it was back in, you know, in, in the past sometime. Jay, would you agree with any of that or? Yeah, I, and I also think, JJ, you could attest to this that I think the rules are different where back when we were in school, you guys couldn't be with us. That's true, yes. And so like we're allowed to be with the guys now. So we get, you know, we, we get four hours you know, during the summer, you can be you can be with your guys. So there's more practice during the summertime. When we were in school with my crew, I mean, it's like JJ said, we played every day, and we we had summer jobs up at up at Fairfax. We played at George Mason. I mean, we found a gym and we got in the gym. Um, these guys, you know, they they do their individual skill work, but then the NCAA has has allowed us as coaches the opportunity to be on the floor with them. So there's more of that and less of the pickup, which I think I agree with you, Jeff. I think they need to need to play more. I, I think there's certain guys that could benefit from just playing the game, knowing how to play the, the feel and the IQ of the game. Hearing JJ talk and you've got two of the all time greatest uh, here on this call with Ralph and Bryant, you know, as a, as a former player, I always, I looked at, you know, Bryant Stith and, and like, I always thought, man, this guy's just fundamentally sound. He's always on balance, going up strong, attacking. And I'm curious to, to hear JJ and even Ralph's perspective. There's another guy that played before him, Jeff Lamb, who I always thought the same thing with, with him. You know, the characteristics were very similar. Uh, great work ethic, fundamentally sound, great shooter, always on balance, aggressive, never you know, taking a weak shot. I'd love to hear, you know, JJ overlapping with kind of both of those guys. 
maybe the the pros and cons or the differences between the two and and even your thoughts ralph what can i say jeff lamp baseline jump shot i mean you can go, i mean you can bring that uh Bubblegum defense, you got Jay Will over to us. And I'm, I'm just gonna pass it out. I'm just gonna pass it out to JL or pass it out to Jeff. He's gonna find him in the corner and he's gonna knock that down. Then I got Raker on the other side, right? That uh, that was an animal. Uh, we had uh, we had Lefty on the show with Buck Williams a couple of uh, last week or so as well. So Jeff, you'll remember this as well. We out of bounds on the bench, on our bench under the basket, and uh, Rakes and Ernest Graham will always get into a fight. Always. Always. So Something happened to Rakes, and, and I think uh, Ernest hit, hit him an elbow or whatever. Rakes takes the ball out of bounds, and 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 Ernest is right here like it. Rakes just takes the ball and throws it in his face. You that? <laughs> I mean, literally, chest pass and throws it in his face. And so that type of error when you, you do that with those guys fundamentally sound. I mean, then you got Terry Gates on the side. Terry, like, okay, look, I, I've got this guy. I'll beat him up for you. And I mean, I was well protected with Raker and Gates. <laughs> And you know, Jay on the side. Era, JJ, that 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 fits my game. I I would have fit well in that era. That's why you were one of my favorites, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. In the closing minutes, I want to ask you, and I'll, uh, Ricky, I'll start with you. And what did Virginia basketball mean to you? What does it mean to you today? So it's kind of a two-part question. But what did it mean to you at the time? And everybody gets the same question. And what does it uh, what does it mean to you today to be an alum of part of this uh, uh, this program? Well, I got to know about UVA because my brother Bobby played there uh, from 75 to 79. I've never missed a home game. My mom and dad would drive from Richmond. So uh, what a treat to have a role model like your brother. Uh, and I think I saw he was the first black captain um, at Virginia basketball. So mm -hmm. what, a, what a great role model. And uh, from a youngster growing up in Richmond, thinking you were going to go to Richmond to I never. I, I remember being in my living room when Ralph Sampson announced it was like a breaking news he was going to Virginia, and never knowing that you would have an opportunity uh, to play with Ralph and Jeff Lamp and Jeff Jones. I mean, it was a dream come true from a little guy uh, to have an opportunity to play uh, and follow in your brother's footsteps. So, uh, and, and I can honestly say. The brothership that we forge in the 80s is just as strong today or stronger. Uh, and I really appreciate uh, the fellowship of the guys I played with and other guys that uh, came after us and before. So well said. Well said. Great fraternity. Bryant, Brian Steph, what did what did Virginia basketball mean to you? What does it mean to you? Now I know you're wearing the other colors. I get that with old Dominion. <laughs> but what what did it mean to you? Uh, it meant everything to me because, like I said, growing up in ACC country, you know, you, you had a sense of pride about playing, you know, for your state. You know, when you used to go to all of these all-star games and everybody always used to talk about who had the best players and they had the most talents. And, you know, that's where my love came for, um, you know, Virginia and Virginia basketball. You know, when we got there, it was almost like, you know, we had unfinished business, you know, to take care of. and. Mm. You know, we, we wanted to restore uh, Virginia basketball to the heights that it was when, when Ralph and Coach Jones and Jeff Lamp played. And, you know, we gave it our best effort. And to see, you know, what, what Gene Willie and, and, and Coach Benford and, and the current Wahoos you know, have done, you know, that, that just makes, you know, my heart proud. I'm very proud of the program and, you know, where it is today because we all knew that we had the, uh, the capability to play with the best in the country and to be national champions, you know, that, that just means a lot. It validates, you know, what we all truly believe when, when we play for, for UVA. Well said. Jimmy? Coming to Virginia and the institution, it meant everything to me. And I look back over the last 35 plus years or whatever, and uh, it, I mean, it, it changed my life. It, it really did from, from where I came from to where I sit today, the fellowship, first and foremost with, with my fellow comrades and, and the new relationships that I've met uh, for years after us and certainly the legacy before our era in the early 80s. Yeah, I feel very fortunate to have had the opportunity to, to play with those guys and doing it at an institution like the University of Virginia has opened up so many doors and given me so many opportunities that I 
would never have otherwise been able to walk through. So for that, I'm very grateful. Oh, good stuff. Jason Williford. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to sound just like these guys. <laughs> it's it's um, the family. I, I, I often use that, and I don't use that lightly. Um, you know, when we, we won it all, I, I, I had as much pride and, and, and gratitude for, for the foundation that, you know, Ralph and, and those teams laid and what B. Stiff did, what J.J. did with his teams, what um, all of the former players. It's, it's always been a family to me. And, and my biggest takeaway um, is that it's, it's a brotherhood, um, you know, especially Virginia basketball. We've, we've got we've got different different generations of different eras of Virginia basketball here. Um, but, you know, I know the history. These guys continue to follow it. It's meant the world to me coming from Richmond, um, coming from John Marshall High School, being able to, to get the best of both worlds, a great a great education um, and be a part of high level basketball. Um, and then, you know, my my biggest thing was. I want Virginia to be up there with the who's who in college basketball and, and, and sustain that excellence. All right, Coach Jones. You know, I, I, I think it, it changed my life, as Jimmy said. It opened up my eyes to a, a whole new world, coming from Owensboro, Kentucky, to come to Charlottesville, Virginia, and the University of Virginia. Um, the, the memories of, of playing uh, are, 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 are great. The memories of, of coaching uh, are great. But the bottom line, the older I get, and I'm, I'm soon going to be 61 years old, the, the relationships that we formed then, that we, over the years that have grown and that we have now, uh, is, is, is far more important than any victory, any accomplishment. That, that's what it is to me. The culture of Virginia basketball with Ralph Sampson, Jimmy Miller, Brian Stith, Ricky Stokes, Jason Williford, and Jeff Jones. Center Court continues in just a moment. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sports casting, I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. Welcome back to center court on the winter circle network. And uh, Ralph, that was way, way too much fun. A uh, great group of guys. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't have a chance to, as we went around the, the panel and talked to them about what Virginia basketball meant to them past and present. I've got to ask you the same question. What does UVA and the basketball program past and present mean to you? Again, Mike, this is one of the reasons we do this show because we can have segments like that where, you know, sometimes we, we know it, we feel it, but then guys can express it in this format and you can hear stories that you've never heard mm -hmm. or you can think about and reminisce and think about what they said, you know, Ricky Stokes and Jimmy Miller talking about Jeff Jones and how special and, you know, sometimes you don't say that. And, and, and it was, it came out in that, in that, in that, in that segment there, which was great. But for me, just to be able to get those guys together, because we don't do it much anymore, like we used to in school and, you know, see each other every day. But when we do do it, it becomes a free for all like, like today, right. It becomes mm -hmm. special. And those are the special members that we all have. And we tape it, we record it so we can always see it. But for Virginia, to me, that's what it's all about. It's not about the basketball. It's not about the games. You know, you go to battle and go to war. That's what you come there for. But it's really the camaraderie. And I said this before, University Hall, to me, is like the most special place in the world because mm -hmm. Joe, uh, Coach Don and Coach Gamble, <clears throat> the weight room was every sport worked out in that weight room. Everybody Every was together, yeah. So I can remember the Pat Chester's football, the Don Mikowski's football, baseball player. Everybody worked in there, 
now you got everybody working in their own facility. So you don't have that camaraderie like when we played at UVA. And I don't think any school had that camaraderie like they had before when we played. And that's to me a special uh, memory that I've had there for years, but also graduating, you know, there's story after story, the story that we talked about, but it's so special to me that being able to build that bond with those guys makes it even better than it ever could be. Well, I think also it's a credit to you and I'll close with this. I think it's a, it's a credit to you because they always mention, I mean, coach Jones did Ricky. Uh, they always mention your parents and how yeah. special your parents are. The fact that you did stay four years and it did make a big difference in your life, I think. And I, I again, it's, I know you feel very, very blessed to have people like that around you. Well, Mike, you also alluded to like Ricky Bobby Stokes' parents, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Wilderford's parents, mm-hmm. where JJ in, you know, interacted with Jason Wilderford's parents by bringing them to camp and coaching, whatever. You know, the Brian Stiff family, I mean, you can go on and on and on and on from the Jones to the Lakers, to the Rakers, the Lambs and the Gates, Kent Needland's family, uh, Othell Wilson's family. So, I mean, it was a bond even after the game with families that you probably don't see too often. Uh, that were there because there was always people there that you could remember. I mean, I would, I remember Ken England's dad. He, Ken, he was a walk-on, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a relationship with his dad and mom still today where he, he walked on, he finally got a scholarship. And the dad said, well, I'm going to buy him a car and I want you to help me. He called me to help surprise Ken England with his new Supra that he brought down and we had a red ribbon on and I was there for that. And it was so special to have that bond with people like that. And it still lasts today. So it's me, even means more that it continues even now. Absolutely. Great stuff. Well, the culture lives. We do know that. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald. And that's Center Court for this week on the Winner's Circle Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.